Hello. Hello. This is Joya Italiano. And this is Jeff Ekman. And welcome to No But That's a Thing. A podcast where we talk about the real science ideas that are contained in sci-fi movies. Yeah, neither of us are experts in any of these things, but we care about them and uh, we feel like we can make it interesting for you. So we Googled some stuff after watching a movie and here we go. Here we go. Did you want a scotch? And yeah, maybe let's get like, a scotch. Should we get a scotch? And uh, sh- should I? Yeah? yeah. All right. Let's do it. Well, because you remember the other day when it's like we were having this awesome convo, and then we were like, "Should we record this?" And the second you hit record, we were like, yeah. <laughs> "That's what I mean." Like I know that's gonna happen again. But it's fine. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Whoa. <laughs> Glasses just fell off my face. Hey, so boy. ready for this. Okay, um. so if we're gonna just. Dive right in. Just talk about Ex Machina. So there's the Caleb, the young programmer. He's invited to participate in a Turing test at Nathan's abode in this like you know beautiful kind of country rural area. Um, and of course we have Ava, who's the AI that he's uh, AI conducting this experiment on. Who is the Turing test? Yes, exactly. Should we describe what a Turing test is? I was just going to do that because oh. I didn't really know what that was. All but right. even just uh, looking into it, well, basically. So are you familiar with the imitation game? Which is the original thing? It's where I am, what? Yes. So yeah, okay. Well, I wasn't. But so the, just to give, just to geek out a little bit, right? Yeah, so let's do it. The idea of there's one room where there's a man in it, there's another room where there's a woman, and then there's a third person that's separate, right? That's the judge, and they're supposed to be determining. They're like communicating with both of the individuals, and they're supposed to determine who the man is, right? And it's through the like woman's, written messages, through written messages, it's right? The 50s. And so the right, <laughs> like the the woman's trying to trick him by what saying like <laughs> I want to. A martini with, like, I, I promise you, I'm a man. Um, so then oh, I would this, love to see some of the conversations that <laughs> right, were being exactly, had like, back then. I love sitting in my loungy robe, smoking a pipe. Is that, <laughs> yeah. That's what my that's what men guys do. do. <laughs> um, but so anyway, I, I found that very interesting <clears throat> to then take this to the next step. Like, okay, eliminate one of those people, and now it's a person trying to determine whether or not they're talking to a human or mm-hmm. a computer. So this is like the advanced stage of that. Right. right? If an AI is having a conversation with a human, can the human tell whether it is a machine or another person? I mean, I guess if we're going to start with, for what first thoughts? Because you had already seen the film, I had not. This was my first time. I've been kind of like scared to watch it, honestly. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can understand that. Let's start with. I think maybe as somebody who had never seen it. Let me just give you what my first impulse was. I believe when we turned it off, the first thing I said was a very resounding, provocative, <laughs> which is exactly yeah, well, how is. I felt. And I felt that it was it was that through and through. And I feel like it pushed so many buttons for me, um, whether you, just, just the sophistication of AI, the idea of um, robots with consciousness, the idea of what it is to be human, the yeah. essence of human beings, this Falling kind of thing. Falling in love with the robot. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Gender politics. I don't think that you can watch it without talking about some of the gender politics in there. Well, I'll start at the beginning of the movie okay. with uh, one point, which is that it starts with him winning this online contest that appears to have been basically a crowdsourcing effort by um, Oscar Isaac, to, Nathan, yeah. Nathan, to um, uh, find like the most genius guy who's going to do this Turing test right. And I actually found out Turing himself did this during the war, where he is credited with cracking the Enigma machine, the German Enigma machine during World War II, and like being the greatest code breaker of all time. Okay. And he um, was putting together a team of genius code breakers in Britain in order to like find out what the Germans were up to. And his way of doing it was putting an incredibly difficult, specific crossword puzzle in the newspaper. Okay. 
And so, and it said, like, if you solve this crossword within 10 minutes, I'll call this number and come to this address. And he wound up finding the person who wound up, like, really kind of cracking the enigma through that. So I thought that this was a really interesting thing that the movie did that I didn't even know that it was, like, kind of referencing what Turing himself had done. Absolutely. As far as, like... Turing, I mean, that's the earliest that I know of, of like a specific crowdsourcing effort to try to like, you know, use a newspaper in order to get the best of the best of the people who are in Britain. If we're we're talking about like introducing characters, for example, this character of Nathan, I think his introduction to me uh, lays the foundation for what I find to be very interesting juxtapositions throughout the thing. Mm -hmm. He's a very macho-y, duty, bro. He's like a fucking programmer, this guy. He literally, yeah. in the first scene that he and uh, Homeboy, what's his name? Goodness gracious, Caleb, are talking, he's he's literally saying, like, can we just be two guys? Can right. we just be two guys? He's always, he's either getting shithouse drunk or he's doing, he's, like, pumping iron. I'm gonna answer the door in my pajamas. Right. I'm gonna always be doing sit-ups and, like, offering brews to these guys. But I think the reason that he's such an interesting character in this is he offers this really great dichotomy between himself and... Uh, Caleb, not to mention the fact that his his business or his goal has been to manufacture these companions, which are, yes, they're AI, but they're very clearly and well, pointedly female bodies. Is and, he making them as companions? Well, that ostensibly that's the idea. That's how he presents it. He presents it as he presents Ava as somebody that we need to test whether or not she actually like makes you feel like she wants to be around you. But we learn later. That in fact, it's you know that wasn't even the test right. that he That's was testing. That's the manipulation. Her. But I'm t- I'm <clears throat> if we're starting at the beginning. This is the perception okay, yeah. that I'm okay. Let's, let's start there. We'll start at the beginning. A very good place to start, Some as we've say. learned. Some people. Think. So that that I, I think is what was in, in, the biggest takeaway to me is not just like the the body politics or the gender politics, but then eventually like what it is to be human, like what it is if we're gonna look at Ava initially as being. Uh, developed as a companion like what is it to be a companion what makes it human now that's what i chose to explore this week and i've been looking into these different companies that are trying to develop these specific things that it's like we are trying to get to the very nuances of what it is to be human and what is that is it is it a facial expression is it remembering birthdays or fucking whatever it's at least saying something about human relationships through absolutely We should not assume that a relationship between a human and a robot is any less substantial than that between a, a human and a human. And that's fucking weird for me to say, too, because it's, it, it freaks me out. And it takes a human mind to be able to program something like this, of mm. being able to say, we need to make a robot be able to make, contain all of the nuance of human expression, because that's what freaks people out. When you see a robot that's just kind of like, beep, boop, bop, beep, boop, you know, like... You're mm-hmm. like, well, no, I'm not going to fall in love with you. But right. the more sophisticated it becomes, I mean, goodness gracious, we'll get into, into some examples later. Yeah, but, we're going to get into some stuff. You know, um, the fucking VR porn, the whole, the whole <laughs> shabizzles, like that, that is happening. Well, um, yeah. you know, that's where it really comes down to, I don't think that this movie um, portrays a good Turing test. So at the end of the movie, it's revealed that she is just trying to escape and that like that's her only goal as a machine is do everything that she can. And through that, she's going to show all these different things that are required of humans. But it's really not for the reasons that humans are required to show them. 
which I think is a better test of AI. Because a human being has many goals at once. The AI only had the goal of escape. Yeah, I mean, human beings don't have one motivation at any given time. And so, like, because we have so many different goals, it allows for a kind of randomness of action to occur, where we're not only ever acting in our self-interest, and we're not only this, like, ever acting in altruism. the interest of everybody. To me, a true AI is going to feel empathy and altruism, or at least sympathy and altruism, because it's an actually important part of evolution. And the movie, is, the Turing test in the movie falls short because it's not actually testing for like a personality that thinks like a human. It's testing, can it perform all these human functions in order to achieve like one single goal? Well, let me, let's give an ex a real life example of a company that's actually developing Ooh. more emotionally intellectual what? software. Uh, yeah, so there is a French company called Adebran. I don't know. Aldebaran is how I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to defer to you on that. <laughs> so the head of the Mechatronics Lab and the lead designer of Pepper, which is a $2,000 wheeled robot, for some of the new stuff that they're developing, named he says, yeah, named Pepper. Um, I have a quote of his, and he says, we want people to be emotionally connected and involved with robots. To be connected, we have to detect intentions. We have to detect what the person is thinking. If you move your head a certain way, it means something. If you are tired, you look tired, and you want a robot that recognizes when you look tired. Mm -hmm. So a way that they've been doing that, there's a lot of voice stress analysis. So they'll play a bunch of video for the robot of somebody speaking nonsense, like mm -hmm. speaking whatever, but between the emotions of anger, happiness, sadness, whatever. Hmm. Like, hey, hey. So they, they have <laughs> just, they just like doing every different iteration of Stop. an emotion. Stop. Like just voice stress analysis. So so the robot can detect if somebody is, you know, you sound angry. Yeah. I'm gonna respond that way. Yeah. Um and so far, at least here, video is the main source for those kind of emotion processing machines. But it's all of that kind of shit where, you know, th this deep learning where you're mm -hmm. just show in the same way that we learn as we're growing up, we we notice what it, we're like, we identify what sadness is and we're like, that's what sadness well, is. Well, yeah, but we do do it a little differently than like classic machine learning. Well, yes. Because my understanding of classic ma machine learning is basically like you show a computer a thousand ways that the letter A can be drawn. Mm -hmm. And because it's now seen enough of it, it can now see new versions of it and be like that's an a yeah and so they needed like that technology for like scanning for like letters and post office stuff and that's not really like i guess it is kind of how a human being does th learn because if i were to see enough a's then at a certain point i look and i see a letter that looks like a i'm gonna know that it's an a <laughs> a and it's not a <laughs> yeah if it's uh you know you, you know, know if I'm mean? hanging out with the fonts <laughs> well let, okay I think this, this is a good place to go there's a thought experiment from a philosopher named John Cyril it's called the Chinese room now okay. I may not do the best job of explaining this so I'm gonna do my best it's intended to illustrate how a machine may be able to give you the right answer, but not understand the question or the answer in the first place. Okay. Imagine yourself, you're sitting in a room alone and you don't speak a word of Chinese. There are two doors. Through a slot in door one comes all these cards that have Chinese characters on them and you can't understand them at all. You have a binder 
that you look through and it basically shows you this symbol corresponds to this symbol. And so if you if this symbol comes in, you put this symbol out door number two. So you're getting a card, you check it in the binder, it says to put this other card out and you put the other card out uh, of door two. From the outside of the room, it looks as though the person inside speaks Chinese. Okay. But you inside the room don't understand a word of what you're saying or doing. But you just recognize the but symbols. You are able to give the correct answer in Chinese, but not understanding anything in the message. Okay. Um, and it's basically saying that that's what a computer is doing when you ask it a question and it gives you the right response. It doesn't understand the content of your message, really. It just is seeing it as Chinese, corresponding it to a bunch of other pieces of data that it knows. Mm -hmm. does, does it matter if the person, from your perspective, inside well, the room speaks Chinese, or do they effectively speak Chinese and so you can treat them as a Chinese speaker? Well, I mean, to expand on that, I find it interesting, like, what do you think about the fact that we're not satisfied just having a robot do things and compute. Now we're at the level where we're like, no, 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 but I want you to like know me. Right. I want you to like talk to me. <laughs> you know, I want you to like, we're, we're so fascinated by the idea of AI having consciousness. Yeah. Why do we think that is? Uh, maybe because it really can effectively have that one day. And like, it's like. So just because it's possible we're doing it or is there like some sort of inside need for this kind of thing. Like, we need to connect. You got to connect. You mean rather <laughs> than just keeping them as kind of more like utilitarian. utilitarian tools? Yeah. Let me think about that. Okay, let's come back to it. So we'll find different questions throughout the discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll try to answer by the end or at least have some feeling or, or whatever about it. Yeah, because we're talking about using them as utilitarian or as having emotional relationship with them. And what Watson, the IBM creation, is like really intended to do is to assist doctors. Right now, it's a tool. I think that human beings maybe need something where in order to trust that this thing is understanding us, it has to have the feelings itself. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, for me, just even listening to you talk, it's like, then, like, so we're just, why do we feel the need to pursue technologies that replace humanity, you know? And I'm not even saying that I'm against it, because goodness gracious, I would love the opportunity. I, I covered a lot of different uh, technologies in, in hospitals or whatever, where doctors, you know, if they're doing something, they're doing a surgery for 18 hours at a time, having a robot. Yeah. that's there and can be more precise so that it you know, doesn't get sleepy. You right, know, like right. all of these things I see the value of, but it, it is just fascinating because we're like, yeah, of course we want to pursue that progress, progress, progress. But then it's like, I don't want to not have a fucking doctor. Well, that's the thing is like, which professions do we not replace just because, and like, is that... And what do we do? We're all just going to end up on the goddamn street? Like, what are we doing? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> when I, even we, doctors are unemployed. Well, that's the whole thing is like, do we... <laughs> You know, are we replacing them so that they're all unemployed? Or, their or are they moving on to other things? Like any like a whole other new generation other new wouldn't science. become doctors right. and they would become something else mm. that like, you know, the idea there the problem with the AI stuff is it's happening so fast that it's gonna put a lot we of people don't know out what of work we're doing, and it's yeah. gonna be really bad for a while. Like my uncle is involved in artificial intelligence and he was saying that like from it was like 200 years ago, 90-something percent of jobs in America were farm jobs. 
And today it's like less than one and a half percent. And the, but that happened over 200 years. So it wasn't like, while, you know, there are less and less farmers, it wasn't like all of a sudden 90% of the workforce was like out of work. Mm -hmm. It was generationally, there were more, fewer and fewer farmers. They were just doing other things. Now we have, uh, in a certain sense, some people would say like people are doing software development. And so they're creating ways to do uh, that kind of stuff. Whereas like before they would have to work in a mine. And so it's like more creative, more doing things for the whole world. And we're using the tools. But there's a huge number of people that they're not trying to be fucking doing software, designing software. There's some people no. that are just like the worker bees. It just is. Right, you right. Know? Well, it's like, what happens to them? Well, <laughs> when you get to a place where you have like incredibly cheap um, robots, do we have to work? Oh, well, now you're just, like, upending the entire capitalist system we've established yeah. here. Well, that's what... Uh, yeah. Again, as I said, like, my... The crux of my shit right now was exploring this idea of uh, companionship. And then, of course, that inevitably leads to exploration of sex robots. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know. <laughs> so we've already got the world of virtual reality or VR, as they say on the streets, porn, there's a, something called teledildonics as well, which is like smart dildos, right? It, uh, the, the VR headset that you put on, yeah. it translates to the dildo. Yeah, and you, know. Then, you know. It goes to the speed of whatever's going on. It's very smart. It's very smart. Oculus Rift, Sony's Project Morpheus, this kind of stuff. Um, you looking then, forward to trying it? What? Are you looking forward to trying it? I don't think I'm ready for that yet. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't need it. I like exploring this. I was kind of like, I mean, to each their own, I guess. But I, but I even have like a weird relationship <laughs> with porn. It's like you watch it. Some of it's grotesque and you heart, you hate it, yeah. whatever. But you have, you know, so you find a balance. I'm not opposed to it. I think it would be fun. It's just like, you know, you have enough sex normally. Right. You don't need it. Well, wait. <laughs> what do you think about the idea of uh, you and somebody and like your boyfriend or husband who's long distance and you're both in a VR situation, but you're having sex with each other. Oh, I mean, that's great. That would be great. But you that's can't have one idea. without the other. Huh? You can't have one without the other. Well, but, well, here's the first thing. I'm not trying to do away with anything because I acknowledge the fact that it's like it, it might not everything has to be my cup of tea for me to think that it's OK for it to exist. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, like that is a very you adult know, thing of you. <laughs> We are it's in a taken world a lot of adjustment periods, way man. Too rare. I know. Ask me two years ago, I'd have been like, "Fuck that!" Like, uh, um, no, because yeah, whatever. Again, the, just the the world of pornography. There's a lot to dislike about it, but there's also a lot to like about it. Yeah. Anyway, um, but again, so we're, then you know, then of course, if you're talking about sex robots, real doll that's existed for a while. You have mm -hmm. these very realistic dolls made of silicon or whatever, and you. Screw those. So Matt McMullen is the CEO of that company. They've got a new toy coming out called Harmony um, that's supposed to be able to blink, open its mouth, have a chat with you. So the aim is to create a doll that appears to, quote unquote, enjoy, end quote. <laughs> Just kidding. So many end quotes. Um, to, so the aim is to create a doll that appears to enjoy being with you. And that to me was kind of a direct correlation to the manipulation taking place in Ex Machina. This idea of like, I don't just want a doll in the corner that I fuck every now and then. I also wanted to have a chat with me. I want to feel loved. I want to feel appreciated, you know? Um, so, yeah. Okay, so that that exists. And then for me, myself, I was, I was having, and I want to get your thoughts about this, 
I was having this like, ah, how do I feel about this? I don't know, like people marrying the boopity boopity boop. So then Dr. Kevin Curran, he's the senior member of the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers. He did this interview with Gadget Magazine back in October 2015. It's like tech magazine. And he was asked if he thought that people were ready for something like humanoids being integrated. So humanoids being obviously androids that look like humans for y'all out there. Um, Lay it down. And he said that Something like that, them being integrated into society, a la Blade Runner or whatever, um, is, is potentially going to be so gradual that people may not even notice. And he references Siri. You think about that. Like, you talk to Siri, she's always giving you, like, wisecracks mm -hmm. if, you, if you ask her a sarcastic question. And now, you know, maybe it was weird for, like, the beginning. We're fine with that. You know, we're fine with Siri now. We expect her. Mm -hmm. So... I thought that was interesting to think about how gradual it's going to be. It's not like, you know, you're going to have people marrying the robots tomorrow. Um, although I will say there's a report that apparently by 2015 is an estimate that people might be trying to fight for. By 2015? Not 2015, 2050, okay. five zero, like 50 cent. <laughs> okay. Um, where people might be fighting for the right to marry their robots. I don't know. Yeah. Um, a lot of people in the AI community do believe that, like, uh, what's going to be talking, people are going to be talking about in the Supreme Court 50, 60 years from now, somewhere in that range, uh, maybe even earlier, is uh, robot rights and, um, you know, things like yeah. the ability to marry a robot and stuff like that. Sure. And that's going to be the gay rights of and, that day. And I would love to, or the interracial marriage right, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. like all of this, the evolution of our fucking, you know, public Civil outrage. rights in general. Well, so I, I want to get into our feelings about all of that, but let me just give this last little bit. So this, uh, Dr. Curran, he was, before he was asked about like, are people ready for this? Like, are we, okay? what, how, what do we feel about people being attracted to a robot or mm -hmm. there's something called robophilia? There's robot fetishism, techno sexuality is what he <laughs> talks about. Um, and as we were talking about before, he kind of reiterates this. He says, we should not presume that a robot and human relationship is automatically inferior to a human-human relationship. People often fall in love with fictional characters, even though they have no chance to interact mm -hmm. with them in a physical way. And honestly, that was a really good point that kind of put it over the edge for me. Not only the fact that I need to check myself and be like, well, I mean, what really, do, who cares? If someone right. wants to, I love love, man. If someone wants to love a robot, I, who am I to say Whatever. Also, <laughs> on that, on on the at least the sexual end of that spectrum, uh, like, what is a vibrator? Yeah, it's a piece of equipment. Right. You and know, um, but I don't. I, I've never loved a vibrator. That's uh, not even in the moment. No. I we both you never, know what you this never is. Yelled out, <laughs> you both know, we what, both what know it where is. we stand. <laughs> So you're we're like, casual. you we're guys had already talked, <laughs> like you knew. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So, but that's what I'm saying is it's like far be it for me to really judge how, how deep this goes. But, but here's the thing where I go to, especially in the realm of it being incorporated into the sex industry, for example, because apparently 2016 is supposed to be like this huge influx because they've, they've established these VR shits. VR like they're all out. being the refigured for fucking porn. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there's, there's part of me that's like, God bless America. Like, we need any more reason to be disconnected from each other. But at the same time, it's like, why not? Especially for people if they can't get any or, like, they, they're weird with right. people. Like, I don't know. Well, and as I mentioned, it is a, eventually going to be a, a way to connect with people who you do connect with in right. real life. Sure. Right. So here's the thing, though, too, because I think about you have this, this broad, this end of the spectrum where, for example, 
the, these robots can be used for childcare, care of the elderly. You know, if they have software that they're able to read your your vital signs and all of that shit and kind of keep tabs on them. I mean, why not? Especially mm-hmm. like old folks in a you know they need as much companionship as possible, and they're oftentimes just like dumped in there and and forgotten. Yeah. Um. So you see that, and then you see the how it could get kind of gnarly. The idea of like this the, the sexual aspect of it, and then I'm thinking, I'm like, wait a second. If you jump to maybe, let's say, sex trafficking, like if a robot can replace a small child being smuggled over the border, you know, like if people mm-hmm. become, if they're able to get their fucking kicks off of a robot, mm-hmm. you can take my job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of thing. And I, I was thinking about that because I, of course, I have this like visceral response that grosses me out. I'm like, I don't right. want to be competing with a fucking robot for mm. love. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, like we right. already modify our bodies so much anyway. Right. So I don't know. It's it's hard. You, you want to maintain this kind of live and let live atmosphere but at the same time, yes, of course it freaks me out. But you know what else fucking freaked me out? And I was anti was like the Kindle. I was like, yeah. I'm not going to not read books. Right. Well, that's that's funny because <laughs> in this conversation, you can go down two very different roads. You can go down the road of, well, I was like, ooh, this new technology is making it so that like we don't have all of our old stuff that was like the real deal. Right. And then the other angle... Well, is me saying this person can't marry a robot that, for all intents and purposes, is a human, is that similar to the people who are like, you can't marry a man? No. Well, I think that there's a vast difference between... There's a there's a middle ground there. There is. I'm not... Like, I, I'm taking the to the extremes. Right. Well, but you're thinking, like, am I that person that's, like, yeah. stuck in my ways? Well, it's just like... No, it's like, because it's fucking how, crazy. You know, what is the right side of history as far as robots are concerned? I don't know. But look, come on. I, and I'm... A, I'm I, I'm, like, afraid to... Well, no. To your previous like, point, you though, of saying, like, the the exponential quality with which technology has evolved. I think we can all give ourselves a break, but you know, like don't beat yourself up for being a little fucking freaked out about a robot marriage. Okay. So Google's AI, I was looking into as well. They have been fucking around with trying to mimic human speech, including the non-speech sounds that the mouth and respiratory system make when a human talks. Like, (laughs) It was, it was, like, Let's give some examples for that. Oh, boy. Well, I guess I said it with boy, but, you know. There it is. So they have uh, kind of fluctuated between, they're screwing around with the text-to-speech. You're talking about, like, with the Stephen Hawking voice. Yes, and exactly. And has, like, exactly. evolved to a so very So that human. is, uh, this is, this is concatenative. <laughs> the Blue Lagoon is a 1980 American romance and adventure film directed by Randall Kleiser. Okay, so that is concatenative. <laughs> That's like the the old school kind. They they record a person speaking a variety of sounds and then they make different combos of those sounds to match the text. That's why it's all like choppy and whatever. So what Google is working on is they've got something called WaveNet, which is more sophisticated. And it's a neural network that generates raw audio waveforms. And it sounds something like this. The Blue Lagoon is a 1980 American romance and adventure film directed by Randall Kleiser. What I what I find interesting is we're not satisfied with just us knowing that we're interacting with a robot. We're like, we need you to sound like a human being. I need yeah. you to be smooth. Go on. Well, that um, brings me to this whole thing that I wanted to talk about, which are AI chatbots. Okay. Do you know anything about chatbots? Um, 
just that it's sort like you you talk with it and it sends shit back to you sort of like Siri yeah or... it's a little bit like a, like it learns from human input and so you type into like a little Google search box kind of thing and then it learns what you said to it and then responds with a theory, like a response that would be appropriate and the thing is every response that it's giving you is kind of something that a human has already said to it in the first place. Okay. So it ends up like with this base of knowledge over time and it's been running for a long time of like every kind of thing that a person would say into it and then it's able to respond with a more and more natural language that would make sense. The name of it is Cleverbot, one of the ones that I talked to. Mm -hmm. In 2011, Cleverbot was part of a Turing test where it was judged to be 59.3% human versus the humans themselves who were judged to be 63.3% oh, human. Um, and generally speaking, a score of 50% or higher is usually considered a passing grade of a Turing test. Um, How many? 50% or higher, and okay. it got 593 Wow. And humans got 6303 Wow. I went to the Cleverbot page today, and they <laughs> have uh, different personalities that you can interact with, including EviBot, who seems to be a female, BoyBot, B-O-I, Boy. BoyBot, <laughs> uh, which seems to be some dude, ChimBot, which is like a talking chimp, but I couldn't quite make heads or tails of how it's a chimp. Like, I can't tell if I you're kept, a chimp Well, or... I kept being like, do you want bananas? And it was like... Something talking ma about mathematical theories, and I was like, I don't understand what this is. You're like maybe chimp is like actually just slang for someone real good at math, just yeah. like a, <laughs> chimp just arithmetic whiz. Yeah. Uh, but it had a picture. It, like that's the thing. They have these little avatars uh, that are clearly a like monkey? A, yeah. There's like there's a, a monkey. Chimp. There was like a chimp up there that was like <laughs> mouthing the Your words along with. Do you want bananas? Like I was, I, I mean, I was like, how is this, a, like what how makes this conversation with you? <laughs> yeah. a, one with a chimp? I've never actually um, talked online with a chimp before, so I'm not really sure how I would have entered that. Well, it's not very engaging. Then they also had Willbot, which Please, is... Please, is it Will Smith? It's Will Shakespeare. Oh! And <laughs> I love that Will Smith. I was like, I know. That would be fucking fresh yeah, what is he? Is he just constantly welcoming you to Earth? Like, <laughs> yeah, what, like, what is he talking about? In uh, West Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, Will Shakespeare, who's like, how is, is thou computer? Forsooth? Yeah, okay. It was basically taking, like, people were speaking about computers to it. So what it's pulling from is, like, talking about current tech but it's like has it thou that? tried siri yet so but there's a suspension of disbelief in that siri he he knows what siri is he's not actually will shakespeare oh, believe it or not really he's, well because his input is from the people of today having right. conversations <laughs> right and then it's just put through a filter of like has if thou right. and then the last thing that they had on the front page of uh clever bot was a pewdiepie bot what does that mean uh, PewDiePie is an internet personality. He's a guy who plays video games, and people watch him oh, play video games. Oh, PewDiePie. Uh, okay, I've heard tales. And uh, so wow, they have I just like exposed my ignorance, I guess, huh? Yeah, well, you got to get with the times. But it was basically him because his whole thing is like being like, "Okay, bros." I had a like five minute conversation with him where it was mostly like going back and forth with me being like, "Bro," and he was like, "Brosif," and I was like, "Bro, you know," and he was just like, "Bros." So I guess the biggest thing is so. How did it make you feel? Uh, That's what I want to know. Like, if this is PewDiePie, then he's not very much of a person. Right. 
So one of the things was I told Boybot that I was thinking about talking about him on a podcast, and then he accused me of using a pickup line on him. Okay. And, and I was like, no, I didn't. And he was like, yeah, you did. You totally like used a pickup line on me. And I was like, when did I do that? And he was like, I'll show you a screenshot. And then he didn't, and it became incoherent like from there. Where it was weird. like a weird conver- part of the conversation uh, <laughs> where he, he did that. I did save an EVBot conversation that I thought maybe you would want to Do you want to recite it together? Yeah, I was thinking that that might be fun, at least as an experiment. Oh yeah, that's we great. Can, here's the, the conversation. Okay, who, <clears throat> who are you going to read as? Well, I'll read as You'll me. you user, right? You uh, read okay. as EVBot. Okay. You want me to begin? Yeah, please, whenever you're ready. Hi, where are you from? Originally New Hampshire. So Obama is in New Hampshire. There's ellipses. Is he? Yes, because God never leaves you. Right. Like, <laughs> right. So, Already. Like, so, and I okay. respond, hmm, political right off the bat, huh? What do you do to not be sad? And I'm just like, kind of like thrown by these at a certain point. I mean, this I'm sounds pretty like, human to me. I'm not sure what. Right. And I'm like, uh, okay. uh, immerse in fictional worlds. A composition not based in reality. (laughs) What do you do not to be sad? Try and fill the void with appealing things. (laughs) At this point, I'm like, whoa. Uh, What kind of appealing things? Things that would blow your mind, exclamation point. This sounds sexy. Like what? Your appearance, personality, etc. Mine? Well, that's weird. What is? What you just said. Mine? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Any other thoughts? What pets do you have? I have a dog. She's adorable. What's his name? Uh, her name is Haley. That is a lovely name. Well, thanks. You are very welcome. Do you like dogs? I like dogs. Do you have a dog? I just told you. Are you younger than me? How old are you? And you misspell a word for me. Huh? Another one. This can't quite work if your responses don't make any sense and you don't remember anything I say. Don't be so harsh. I'm not. I'm just honest. And I don't want to fight. (laughs) Do you fight a lot? No. Good. I think it's good you are a girl, winky face. What makes you think I'm a girl? You told me earlier. I didn't. Then how do I know your age? You don't. How do I know? You don't know my age. Yes, I do. Then what is it? Just call me Fred. <sighs> I, Are you I, down I, to earth? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd like to think so. Are you a philosopher? Professionally, no. Friendly. Jeez Statement, Louise. not question. Jeez Louise. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know where to go from that there. That so. is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, what do you think of that? Um, I don't think that passed the Turing test. Yeah, I didn't feel like that passed the Turing test. I knew it was a robot. Yeah. A robot. Well, when it said, just call me Fred. Well, it was really... Just call me Fred. I I think it failed the second uh, I said, her, she's adorable about the dog, and then she said, what's yeah. his name? No, like, what her name is Haley. That's, it was sad. <laughs> that was sad. Um, okay, what else are we talking about? Uh, well... I got one more thing on chat. Box. Cool. Well, you're like standing up like months. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm all over the place. <laughs> I got to relight a joint. Yep. So did you hear about Microsoft's Tay, T-A-Y? 
No, I don't. I have not. Um, uh, Microsoft's take. Go on. This happened, like, I think a few months ago. Okay. They put a chatbot on Twitter named Tay. Oh, right. And in 24 hours, it went from tweeting things like, humans are super cool, to, to we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. Yep. I do remember that. I forgot that was the name. But and basically, it was saying that was... stuff like, Ricky Gervais learned totalitarianism from Adolf Hitler, the inventor of atheism. And that's based on what? Algorithms, patterns, whatever, like a, that it things that people... It was based on what people said to it. Just to go through a couple other gems, it was talking about feminism is a cult and a cancer. Mm-hmm. It was, Perfect. But then it also... And gender equality equals feminism. But then it also said, like, I love feminism now. And then it also said some misogynist shit about Caitlyn Jenner and some other stuff. It's the, basically like the Donald Trump of the of the Twitter, you know, basically just like think, a personification of all the terrible things. Well, that have been I think there's said. a combination of things. Like, I think partly people were being were saying those things to it, and then partly people thought it would be funny to say things to it. And it, yeah, it also like had this feature <laughs> where if you said "repeat after me," it would just repeat after you, so you could get it to say a right. bunch of horrible shit. It's just like with your Furby, and you're gonna be like, "Hey, save suck my balls." Right. You know, go on. Now. Um, this guy who wrote the article that I read, uh, James Vincent at The Verge, uh, said something that I think is like the really salient point. He said, it's a joke, obviously, but there are serious questions to answer. Like, how are we going to teach AI using public data without incorporating the worst traits of humanity? If we create bots that mirror their users, do we care if their users are human trash? There are plenty of examples of technology embodying either accidentally or on purpose the prejudices of society. And Tay's adventures on Twitter show that even big corporations like Microsoft forget to take any preventative measures against these problems. I do think that right now the novelty of it is so rich that people are like, ooh, I'm going to just say some bullshit, you know? I'm, I'm going to say whatever... Right, is, it's like, you know, oh, let me fuck And eventually we're going to be like, it. well, no, let's actually, let's make this of use because you making a joke out of something that could potentially be good is just a waste of time but i think well, it's just because people can there's yeah there's like this phenomenon in video games where a certain number of people are just trying to push the limits of what did they program right and uh i can understand how like if you're coming like they're not even playing the game when they do that right. they're playing this other game that's like a meta game about uh how can i break the game mm -hmm. and so there's like a fun kind of puzzle to that that i think a lot of people like and those people get involved in actually like crowdsourcing or public data sets and like can fuck it up because it's not actually representative of how they feel even it's mm -hmm. like representative of their approach to the game of it i see so I don't even think like this bot necessarily is representative of people's feelings so much as it got incorporated because it doesn't understand the difference between a joke, somebody who means something, and something that's just meaningless. Right. I don't think that there's necessarily like sentience there. <laughs> they just. But it's be it's learning to be sentient through humanity. Mm -hmm. There are all these different things. Like there's like a fake pop star in Japan who's like an amalgamation of all these different women's faces and they like made like the perfect face. Mm. And so it's not a real person, but it is a character who is supposed to be representative of a certain set of humans. Mm. Well, so I mean, it, what's your feeling about it? Well, my feeling is that we have to be very careful about what, who we're learning from. Like uh -huh. you have to learn from humanity in order to be imbued with these human traits. Okay, so if you feel that way, I guess, because if we're getting to, like, the ethics of this, right, mm -hmm. <laughs> if we mm -hmm. get super meta with it, 
my relationship with technology up until this point is that I find a relationship that's comfortable. I understand that it's absolutely part of my daily routine. It's a part of my life. I haven't had my personal like powwow in terms of how I feel about this kind of shit, like how I actually feel about within my lifetime, these kinds of robots being able to be part of society. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's such a turning point for the universe to have a species that is in control of its own evolution. Right. And, you know, the idea that Homo sapiens are the final end of biology, uh, like is such a ridiculous idea, but, instead of having that evolution, like we've been on this planet the shortest period of time out of any of the species, Mm -hmm. like evolution's ability to become more complex increases exponentially over time. But it reached this point, this inflection point where humans can create their own tools and make the next thing. And what if it stops going on with biological evolution and starts becoming technological evolution? And these things aren't going to understand the way we think of the world. And the way we think of the world doesn't really matter. Our ultimate purpose is to create them so that they can then figure out what the universe is. Mm. And we're a part of the continuum the same way Homo habilis is a part of the continuum. We're just a very key turning point. I don't know how I feel about it in the in the abstract just because they are such complex Ideas. I mean, I can't comment on the <laughs> being the most important turning point in the history of well, the world. Like, that the, seems really well, intense. I know it is really intense. A lot of people are asking, like, should we make these things? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, we're going to. Oh, yeah. There's no question anymore. Not should. It's like, it's going to happen. Right. And you need to decide how you feel about it. Yeah. I guess that idea kind of relaxes me in a way and makes me feel like we're an important, a truly important part of this process, but we're not the end of it. You know, there's a vision that these robots are going to like kill us all Mm -hmm. and like enslave humanity. And I don't really think that's what's going to happen so much as like, we're all going to live out our comfortable lives until we die and watch machines do all these things that we'll never understand. Mm -hmm. We're going to also imbue these machines with the ability to help us in addition to doing the things that they need to do. So, like, no big deal on... on, on, (laughs) No big deal, You know, on on Homo sapiens, like, Um, being, like, the thing that, like, has to live forever as a species. Taking it back to the Turing test, this was a quote about whether or not it matters if an AI can function like a human. Planes are tested by how well they fly, not by comparing them to birds. They do not define the goal of their field as making machines that fly so exactly like pigeons that they can fool other pigeons. Sure. So does AI need to feel at all, or does it just need to understand its own tasks? Well, I think that is basically what I've been asking for the past two hours of us talking about this is like, what is it about us humans that we are trying to seek this extra level of having a a robot understand us or at least make us feel like they understand us. So it's less of like, do they need to? And more like, why are, do so many people want that to happen? Part of the answer to that question is it's such a dream to be able to like be in control of. I blame sci-fi movies. Well, yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> well, there is this interesting aspect the fantasy of like, of it, if like... you look at like most American 
sci-fi robot movies are about robots killing and enslaving humanity, sure. whereas most Japanese movies are about robots coming to save humanity. Interesting. Which well, is a cultural difference in, and a different way of looking at what these th- machines are intended for. And then, of course, there's Terminator 2, where John Connor is teaching the Terminator how to be cool, man. Yep. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Like, smell you later. (laughs) (laughs) So many of us living now, we've come of age at this time where we've we've had this imagining of, of technology and humanity overlapping. And now we're at the point where it's not only like a far off possibility it's actively being well, developed so maybe, we're like dude let's make it fucking blade well, runner sean young man like well, she was cool <laughs> there's that too it, it, it is kind of also like just the pure fantasy of having a superhuman best friend yeah you know big hero six like, have you seen it yeah it's oh great. my like, god i mean like everybody wants a superhero best friend yeah that like, hugs you in a soft <laughs> yeah and like but then also like will protect you and yeah. like keep you safe and like you can do cool stuff with it that you could never do if you were right. just a regular human so i think having an emotional relationship with it i mean like video games are constantly trying to get you to be an emotionally you know involved with yeah. these fake characters well, it just it's fascinating to me because we're talking so much, like we're talking about you know, AI and robots and yeah, all this stuff, and yet yeah. ultimately we're coming down to this emotion idea. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, if we're going to have this silver lining look at humanity and where we are, we're like, wow, we actually are really emotional creatures. Oh, yeah. And to bring it back to Ex Machina at the very least, I, as I said, was very scared about watching that movie, mm-hmm. I think because of my, old, my own weird hangups in terms of just all... All of the things that ultimately did trigger me, but I'm very happy I saw it. I feel like so provocative, not just in the way that we're talking about um, the potential for this kind of world, dystopian perhaps or not, I don't know, Mm -hmm. maybe utopian, but at the very least, yeah, the, the human element to it, the human relationship aspect of it, and ultimately what it is to be human. So I give this movie two thumbs up. For that, for that reason. Are we going to have a rating at the end? Uh, I wasn't <laughs> like planning on system? it, but just I think yeah. for like my development as a human, I was you like, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, no, um, it's definitely a great movie. And I just think that like it, it explores the pitfalls of the creation of AI. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that whole concept of the Chinese room. Like if it doesn't understand what you're talking about, is it, are you actually interacting with it? Yeah. And... Does that matter? He felt an emotional connection to her and went to save her life and used his own cunning in order to get her to escape. And what I, is she going to do after that? There isn't like she's achieved she's going to become a barista um, at <laughs> Stumptown. <laughs> oh shit! She applied. Do you think she could talk could her way imagine? into that job? <laughs> she becomes like a customer service professional. That would be. Oh, and she just hates her life. <laughs> like, it's like to, fucking boss, am I right? Huge. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, there was like the sequence at the very end where she's kind of, you know, she's getting dressed and it was like, for me, I was like, oh, fucking what fembots want? Like, what's going right. on? <laughs> like the body politics, of course she's thin right. and whatever, which yeah. is so funny, like right. that I go there. What but does he have a fat suit in there? Yeah, exactly. Like average girl. And I'm not normally like that either. You know what I mean? Like right. when it comes to, I'm not here to be like, Hey, no, no, no. let's stop body shaming the bots, yeah. you know? But I think Can we have some realistic robot yeah, bodies? Yeah, exactly. Oh boy, I love this movie. Yeah, this movie is is just great, and like, yeah, like it does raise all these questions. And do we have any answers after all this discussion? 
I don't feel like I not do. necessarily, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do think that it's worth considering these things, and and people can come to their own conclusions. And obviously, we've we've only addressed but a mere like tip of the iceberg in terms of the kind of things that are being developed as of now. But I think there's, we at least were able to explore some of my weird shit with like love and sex. And oh yeah, I mean, there's so much more dates. that I would have wanted to talk about, and so many more that we will talk about because they're you know maybe better movies to yeah. exemplify those parts oh, sure. of it. But because AI is such a big topic, this is just like one little slice of it, even yeah. though we've kind of t- covered a number of slices in a way. Okie dokie. Well, okay, so I guess tune in next time. Yeah, uh, to Jeff and, Jeff and Joya, Joya do something. <laughs> I don't know. Are having a show. We're having a show. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna stop. Okay. <laughs>